tall, I come on my tiptoes, baby. You think a little too small. I got big goals, baby. Hey, where the money? What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Blazers Edge podcast. I'm your host, Danny Morang. And well, uh, it was gonna be a mailbag Monday, but uh nope. Shout out to uh, Neil Olshay, Adrian Wojnarowski, Chris Haynes, and everybody else um, just forcing news down our throats for the entirety of Sunday night. Uh, I'm here with the one, the only, the now glassesless. Glassesless. <laughs> Shout out LASIK. <laughs> Shout out to LASIK. So, so, so check this out, actually. So I, I did it about three months ago. I did I did a LASIK about three months ago. First of all, I paid for about half of it with Top Shot. Money. During that, during Such that boom, I was, uh, yeah, I mean, I cashed out like while it was, while it was big. And so I already, hey, like, you I turned like 50 bucks into like two grand, 35 into two grand. There you go. <laughs> but I go out there. And the place that I uh, got, my eye doctor referred me to this place. The first thing I see out there in, in his office, I went out for my pre-op consultation. And the first thing I see are framed jerseys on the walls of Steve Blake, Channing Fry, Greg Oden. And they were all like had messages in it that said like, thanks for fixing my, like, and then I looked it up and Channing Fry became a 40% three-point shooter when he got to Portland. There you go. So. He's, he's going he's gonna to fix your three-point game. <laughs> I think it's going to take more than that to fix my three point game, but uh, that, that, that's apparently where our crossroads exists right now. Cause the guy who, the doctor who's dealing with my ankle is actually the blazers doctor. So um, it, it's, it's a shout out to, to having good healthcare. I think at this point in time. Um, oh, well I paid for all of mine out of pocket. Oh, see, listen, man, that's, that's the next step. I'm, I'm team contacts for life right now. I, I, yeah. I got, I got to find a way to get the, the LASIK or the, what is it? The PRP or whatever the other one is. It's all, it's all the same thing. I, you, listen, dude, if you can, if you can afford it, you got to do it, man. It's, it's been like life changing for me. Yeah. I, I would love to, because I am terrible about leaving my contacts in, but yeah. uh, speaking of seeing straight, uh, there's a lot of folks that, that can't right now. This is a uh, professional segue by Dan. Here. <laughs> that's what I have, professional segue, man. Uh, the years I spent alongside Joe Simons, that's what I get right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're sitting here. It's now 920 at night, a Sunday night. Uh, I believe all of the bombs have been dropped. Uh, Chauncey Billups is the Trailblazers' new head coach, officially. Uh, the press release has been put out by the team. Yep. Uh both Haynes and uh, Woj have dropped their respective stories. Um, I think we'll start there and then kind of work our way back for over the last 72 hours. What are your initial thoughts? We'll just call it initial thoughts. I think we'll go with that. Well, I can't say that I'm surprised at who the head coach ended up being because you and I both know that basically for several months, like not even just during the search and since they let Terry Stotts go, but going back several months, yeah. Neil Olshays has been set on hiring Chauncey Billups. It's been a poorly he was kept the, secret. It's a very, you know what it reminds me of? And I mean, this search took a little bit longer than the Bulls search did. <laughs> I knew but, you were going to go Garpax on this one. <laughs> but when I was on the Bulls beat... <laughs> After the 2014-15 season, after they lost that second-round series to the Cavs, they fired Tom Thibodeau. And I sat there at the press conference with Gar and Pax, and they said, like, we're going to undertake a national coaching search and leave no stone unturned. We have a wide list of candidates. We haven't started to reach out to anybody yet. And then 72 hours later, Woj was reporting the years and money on Fred Hoiberg's contract, and it had been well-established that Gar Foreman had been an assistant coach at Iowa State when Fred played there, and Gar bought Fred's house from him when he got traded to Indiana. 
or to so. Minnesota rather. So it was kind of a similar thing. And again, draw the line the, here for, for everybody that doesn't know between Neil and Chauncey. The difference here is that they at least went through the motions of interviewing other candidates. Obviously, Becky Hammond got a, a lot of attention as a candidate. Mike D'Antoni got a couple rounds of interviews. There were a few other people whose names were in the mix. I, you know, uh, but Chauncey Billups was on the Clippers when Neil Olshay was the GM because he was the GM in 2011. He traded for Chris Paul and then he picked Chauncey up off of the amnesty uh, waivers as Chris Paul's backup as like a, you know, veteran, you know, to be like the veteran backup and like locker room guy. And since then, you know, the, 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 the year after that, he takes the Portland job. He drafts Dane. This whole run starts over that entire time, going back to before Dame's rookie year, Neil, anytime he's asked about it, will talk about how much Dame reminds him of Chauncey Billups, both mm-hmm. as a player and as a leader, as like a locker room guy in terms of his demeanor and in terms of the effect he has on other guys. That's been something that Neil has hammered home for nine years about how Dame yeah. is the new Chauncey Billups and having somebody like that is transformative for your locker room and for your culture. And so it didn't surprise me at all when I heard that that's who Neil was leaning towards when you, when you think about a, like the, the parallels with him and Dane make sense, but also if there's one thing we know about Neil Olshay, it's that he loves getting guys that he either drafted or wanted to sign as free agents a year before or Neil Olshay whatever the case man. may He always gets his man at, <laughs> whether it's, you know, years later or <laughs> so that, that was my kind of, that's been my thought this entire time. Like ever yeah. since, basically ever since they, let Terry Stotts go. I basically, whenever I would do radio interviews or be podcasts or whatever else yeah. and be asked about this, I would always, my, what I always said was if you were choosing Chauncey Billups or the field bet on Chauncey Billups. Yeah. And there could always be something that uh, comes out of left field. Maybe ownership has their own ideas. Uh, you know, we have heard that, Jody Allen was pushing Becky Hammond pretty hard and you know she was really invested in you know she wanted to be the team that hired the first woman head coach and she had multiple rounds of interviews and so it was just going to be a question of whether Neil Olshay or uh, Jody Allen was making the final call and if Neil was making the final call it was never going to be anybody besides Chauncey and so that was I mean kind of my thought and then you get into all of this other stuff with Chauncey Billups which complicates it because because if if the 97 lawsuit that was settled out of court in 2000 didn't exist we're talking about okay the process wasn't great in terms of they didn't really have a lot of serious candidates and Neil was centering his guy the whole time but the pedigree is there to suggest that Chauncey's probably going to be a decent head coach he was obviously very respected as a player and he's on a coaching staff now with the Clippers that made the conference finals and you know he's been offered head coaching jobs or front office jobs in the past like if it weren't for the off-court stuff and for the stuff in his past and the allegations you could talk yourself into this being a good hire but pretty easily yeah you could you could you could say okay you know sometimes these these you know these assistants who have never been a head coach before sometimes it's Luke Walton but sometimes you get uh Ty Lue winning a championship his first year in Cleveland or Nick Nurse winning a championship his first year in Toronto like sometimes that's what you get but then I mean you get to the allegations which I'm going to be totally honest here the Jason Kidd stuff everybody's known about forever like that that stuff's been pretty out in the yeah. open 
And that's why even when Dame stumped for him right after they fired Stotts, I always knew Cade was going to be a non-starter because the backlash was just going to be so strong. And also, I don't think Neil was ever going to consider somebody who has a history of like trying to execute power grabs at other places that he's worked. It's not just that. It's like it's the Ray Rice situation. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to hear about it, but when there's photos. Right. That's that's what makes it real and I think the the public's eyes whether or not that's that's how it should or shouldn't be it's a different discussion but when you Well got... there's also there's also the fact that and these are not, this is not the same cal, you know category of offense whatever but like kid also And like there's has, criminal charges that were kid filed also like well a he, a he was convicted B like he has yeah. like re- more recent DUIs and he's also like I don't know like the kid thing I knew was a non-starter because yeah. everybody kind of knows about the, his stuff And then Dallas <laughs> I'm so- well, I mean, yeah, that organization <laughs> is its own thing. They clearly have no issue yeah. bringing in people with any of that kind of stuff. We, we kind of know what all that is. But yeah. but even I, as somebody who lives and breathes this stuff, and it's my job to follow this stuff, I had no idea the about stuff. the Chauncey yeah. Billups case until about a month ago when his name started being connected to these head coaching jobs and somebody Official. on Twitter – well, right. You know, you know what I, you know what I mean. Like, right when like he's his name first started getting floated out by. I think like, it was Rogan. Anthony Doyle who sent it to me the first time, and I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" I don't remember who sent it to me or who, or where I saw it first, but somebody on Twitter posted it, and that was the first time I was aware of it. Yeah. And even then, I, I read I read through it, and I was like, "Well, this isn't good. The details here are pretty bad." But like they'll probably be able to explain away something that happened 20 years ago. That's probably something they'll be able just because, you know, just because it's the kind of thing where they'll be able to say, look, it was a long time ago. They settled out of court. It's not going to get as much of a widespread backlash as the Jason Kidd stuff did. And then he actually emerged as like the, it, the, it became the favorite, the favorite to land the job. And then you couldn't really, not talk about it anymore especially when and you know we can debate how serious becky hammond was or wasn't as a candidate but throwing her out there and because remember remember the first leak of of candidates came right after the kid thing blew up in dame's face and it was becky hammond and don staley both on the list and my thought at the time was yeah i mean they're gonna obviously hire chauncey billups but that was smarter than to throw two women on the list as as a pr move yeah and so the fact that then you know they make this whole show of look, Becky Hammond got a second interview. She's the first woman to advance to the final stages of the coaching career. And then you hire, and then you hire somebody who has something like this in their past after using the woman candidate as basically a PR shield. Yeah. It's It's not what you want to see. It's not great for an organization. And here's the thing. I, I am not, I am not crucifying Dame for, not knowing about kid i i genuinely you look at how old dame is i was told that i was told at the time that dame didn't know did, about didn't, did, dame the did not stuff. know yes that's that's and i i think i i believe i believe him on that i do too he was seven years old when it happened. yeah like i i get it like I, it's because here's the thing for everybody's like well he's in that world do you think people in that world spend a lot of time talking about their their darkest hours no, no. Like they don't like, and even with, and even with the Billups one, because that you and one I live and so, breathe this stuff. And we had never heard. A, we didn't know about it. B word. something like that was settled out of court. And you can all, I mean, for a lot of players. And I mean, I covered, I was covering the bulls when the Derek Rose stuff was going on too. Yeah. 
a lot of players, and this is not good that they view it this way, but I'm just kind of explaining how players view this. A lot of players view this as, oh, you know, the, we, you know, we make a lot of money. We have women throwing, you know, trying to you know get money out of us. Like a lot of players, you know, kind of. And so when they see like somebody like something like that in somebody else's past, they probably don't really give it a second thought. They and compartmentalize like, I, that completely I, differently. They compartmentalize it. I also can't imagine anybody is like re- going back and reading the medical examiner report for something that was 23 years ago. Yeah. Especially if, it, if it's not something that pertains to you. Right. I mean, like there's no reason Dame would have had to like, and I, I don't know. I, th- I think, with, I think the Dame stuff, I think that him getting into it on Twitter and like on social media this past couple of days misstep was an unforced error by him. Yeah. The dude that he was quote tweeting yesterday that set off the whole thing is some dude that has 200 followers. Wasn't even tweeting at him. I don't even know how he found that tweet. Somebody must've sent it to him and he decided to quote tweet it. I think he's spending a little bit too much time on Twitter. And like, if you're not, I mean, I did appreciate him coming out and saying, I wasn't aware of their histories of the time. And I don't support those things, but unless you're prepared to come out and say, I wasn't aware of it, but now that I know that I don't want him to be the coach like that. If you're going to be Damon, you're going to come out and make a statement at all. That's what you have to do. And if he wanted to just completely stay out of it and say, you know, this is all, this is all Neil's thing. That's not really, you know, that, that would be his prerogative, but he's already on record saying that he likes, Chauncey as a head coach, whether that was damage control after the kid thing blew up in his face or not, you know, who can say, but it's all just, I mean, there's one common denominator to all of this and it's Neil Olshay doing what Neil Olshay wants to do and what Neil Olshay always wanted to do. And really, and I, I, I said this earlier on Twitter, I maybe didn't phrase it great. I might phrase it better if I end up putting it in the column that I am probably going to write after the press conference on Tuesday. If this whole thing is part of what drives Dame to eventually ask out, it won't be because some dude with two thousand with two hundred followers no. tweeted at him like the Chris Haynes story implied. It'll be because Neil Olshay put him in the position to take all the hits for it when Neil failed to build a roster to, around him. Like failed to build the- a roster around him, but also put him in a position where he's the one that has to publicly take all the hits for the for the Chauncey Billups hire when it was Neil's guy the whole time. Yeah, this is this is the this is what you and I and others have talked about for months. If Neil Olshay was able to to get a guy like Chauncey, a first time head coach, one of his guys, is that mm-hmm. it would give him a shield. Because if let's let's go pie in the sky and and they land Spolstra and somehow Neil is still on board, I don't think that would have been the no. Case. But let, let's let's just I don't I think if the Spolstra stuff had happened, I don't he's, think Neil would still be. Gone. <laughs> I think, say, I think the, the idea about that, at least the way I understand let's take, it, let's, let's take it a step lower. Let's let's say that the, the, the compromise was made and they signed um, D'Antoni. They go with MDA and they bring in um, some player friendly uh, assistant head coaches like a Fizdale. Sure. Let's let's say that's the compromise. If all of a sudden they don't make a bunch of roster moves and you've got a guy in D'Antoni who has taken a team to a conference finals and made his point guards multiple time MVPs, you can't mm-hmm. point at the coach. You, you can't. You can't point at the coach because it's no longer a coaching issue because you've got a wildly successful coach. And for all of the we need somebody to hold somebody accountable defense, all that kind of stuff, whatever. 
Like, that Houston team was pretty good defensively yeah, think, that year that I they think made it was like the conference. Twelfth or thirteenth, like it yeah. was good enough. Like if yeah. you're if you're right around top ten, you're you're fine, and especially yeah. when you've got an MVP. Yeah. Um. But that's the thing is like, you, Neil would not be able to do that, and the the last card to be played was basically him being run out of town, and I think that's where if you get Damian Lillard in there in that position with a young rookie head coach, you can say. Or you can use a one-off year. You probably buy yourself an additional year at bare minimum if they, if things don't add up, because you can say, oh, you know, it's just, it's a rookie coach still working through it, this, that, and the other. Well, I'll think- take it a step further for you, Dan. This is why I don't believe that Neil is going to trade CJ, mm-hmm. because trading CJ will always be the next card that you can have to play. Why play it now when you don't have if to? If there's one thing that Neil is always looking for, and this has been consistent through his entire time in Portland, it's somebody else to blame besides himself. We saw it at that press conference two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We've seen it. And we, you know, we saw it after the sweep against New Orleans. We've seen it basically every, we saw it after like LaMarcus Aldridge left and Batum and all them. There's always, there's always gotta be somebody else to blame. So you, you know, if this year doesn't work out, then next year you do, you know, the CJ trade. And then if the, if the team still isn't very good, then you maybe look at the coach that buys Neil two more years. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of how he's approaching this. That's always how he approaches any of this stuff. That's the, that's the crazy thing. And going back to the, to the, to the Billups thing. And then I want to touch on the, the overarching coaching hire process and uh-huh. fans and all that stuff. The the Billups hire because I, I don't want to gloss over the the ugly side of this without mentioning it. Like Sean and I aren't talking about it in that sense because it's not our place to talk about it. We're we're highlighting it, acknowledging it. It's not good, but I don't think that it's our place to litigate that. Would you? Agree? I have I have no interest in going through the details yeah. of the case and deciding whether I think that Chauncey Billups is guilty or not. I am only really qualified to say that it's not great that this is in his past that as a thing that even came up and that there's plenty of perfectly good coaches they could have hired that don't have something like this. And that's exactly that's that's what I have been consistent with on on social media and Twitter is that. I haven't said a word about Chauncey as a coach or as a person or as a human being or as with any of these. Well, as a coach, no. the thing is with with any of these assistants who have never been a head coach before, you're you always don't know. just guessing whether yeah. they're going to be good or not. I, I've reached out to people with the Clippers, and they did not make Chauncey Billups available to media members, and they don't. They didn't allow him to be. You know, he wasn't an accessible guy. You throw COVID on top of it, and the fact that the Clippers really didn't make anybody accessible at all to anything, they kind of run things similar to to the Blazers in that regard. I've heard and, that too. And you don't know what, like, you don't know if Chauncey's, is he going to run an up-tempo scheme? Or is he going to run aggressive trapping defense? Like, you just don't know. And so, like I said, I, I've reached out and I've asked some questions about who, what, when, where, why. But it's all guesswork. So that's why, for my personal sake, I haven't said I think Chauncey's going to be a bad coach. My whole thing was, and will maintain to be, if I was an owner, if I was a GM, if I was a president, there are candidates out there who I would otherwise be looking at because I don't believe the risk is is worth the reward. And I just, I you, you look at, and I have had a couple people ask me um, what, um, I just, 
I just don't I don't believe in it. I just don't think it's if that's exactly what what it comes down to. It's it's more about my thing is more There's other candidates. Yeah, my thing is my thing is more I don't want to sit here and be the one that says that nobody can ever improve from things that they've done in the past or that you know, he should never be allowed to work in the NBA again. I just, if I were running an organization, I wouldn't want it to be my organization that was the one that decided to hire him and take on all the PR stuff. Somebody else can do that if they want. Yeah, and I think that's, I think we're fundamentally in the same place. There's there's, there's other individuals that are out there. You have the Teresa Witherspoons, you have the Jamal Mosleys, you have the Darvin Hams, the Jaron Collins. Is like Ime Udoka, Ime Portland Udoka, guy. Like, yeah, there's, there's plenty of names that were out there. Like, there's... The, if you're trying to, let's say that the Blazers are trying to to do something good in the sense of of, of, of bringing in minority candidates, whether it be women, whether it be uh, black coaches, there there's no shortage of them. There's I, plenty I, of them out there. Darvin Ham has been out there. I mean, although you know what, I will say that, and I don't have the details off the top of my head. There is not to the extent of Billups, but there is something in Darvin Ham's. Uh, that's the unfortunate part is there is more of the stuff is, up, stuff. There's going to there. be, there's a lot more of this stuff out there than I think people realize, but like, you know, Ime Udoka, uh, Jamal Mosley, Wes Unsell Jr. Yeah. There's there, like, there's not a shortage of young former player, black coaches sitting on benches right now as assistant coaches. Like there, there, there's just not, there's plenty yeah. of those guys. If you, if you want to give them an opportunity, but, uh, but, but none of them played for the Clippers when Chomp, when Neil was the GM. There. <laughs> there so go. therefore none of them are as qualified as him. <laughs> that's the short list. That's right. the, <laughs> that's the whole, that was the whole criteria for the job. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's flip it past Chauncey. I don't want to make it a laughing matter. It's, it's, it's more of just the, you could kind of see this writing on the wall. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I hoped that things were going to go a different way just because again, I don't think the risk is worth the reward. Um, and by the way, we should also just say uh, you and I have both talked to women who are both diehard Blazers fans who have spent a lot of money on tickets yeah. and jerseys and whatever else, and even people who work for the team or in the organization in some capacity who are not happy about this. And they don't like the yeah. message that it sends that they were will- that the team was willing to hire a coach to who drive has – who has this sort of thing in their past. And I think that, you know, the fact that, you know, Neil could have, I mean, what they could have done before they made the, obviously now they've sent out the press release, they have the press conference coming. It's probably, it's a little bit too late to turn back now, but what they could have done sometime today or yesterday was see what the reaction was and then just say, okay, you know, we messed up. We didn't read the room. Let's, you know, let's go a different direction. Let's, Offer the job to Mike D'Antoni or Becky Hammond or something. I somebody thought else. they would with when they when they announced the press conference without the name attached to it. I genuinely thought that's what they as were doing. early as soon as like this evening. I was talking to somebody who was saying that they didn't know if he was going to be the coach on opening night. Yeah, and that I was just kind of somebody who that, would have a pretty good read of that too. Yeah, and. I and the fact that they're just going through with it. I mean, I I know there are a lot of people inside and outside the organization who are not happy about it, and justifiably so. It it's gonna be an interesting what 
36 hours between yeah. now and then uh, that press conference, which uh, they picked a hell of a time, by the way, yeah. to have their first in-person press conference since huh. the start of COVID by uh, just, just, just as an aside, I have to drive out there tomorrow to take a PCR test so that I can go to the press conference on Tuesday, but that's yeah. going to be like, like Neil can't do. Cause, cause, cause usually, I mean, you've been on some of these zooms during the season. You can't, but- you can't mute. You can't mute. And when you're in the same room, <laughs> Well, so here's that. Well, though, because but the way it usually worked during the season, but it was just like a post game or pregame thing, uh, they would have the zoom on like the collage view where, you know, you could see everybody's faces and then they they call on you and then you unmute your own mic mm-hmm. and you ask your question. When Neil did his end of season pressure, they did it in webinar format. So not only could he not see any of our faces, none of our cameras are on, but you had no control over whether you're you were muted or not. They would just yeah. call on you and unmute you. Neil can't do that now. Yeah, everybody's in the room. So, and like I said, you'll be there. There'll be some couple others there. And I'm, I'm very interested to see how the questions go. And, you know, as far as how they're directed, I think they're going to go one of two ways. They're going to go specifically pointed questions about Chauncey Billups. Uh, the other part of this is they're going to be very pointed and direct questions about Damian Lillard and his future here with the Portland Trailblazers. And that's what we're going to uh-huh. kind of pivot to here. Uh, obviously, Chris Haynes put his tweet slash article out. Um the first paragraph, I think, just sets everything up. The enormous backlash in the Portland Trailblazers process to hire a new coach and his concerns on whether a championship contender can be built to become factors that may push the franchise player, Damian Lillard, out the door. League sources told Yahoo Sports. So that's not just the Chauncey kid stuff. That's the coaching and what, Sean? Putting roster. it on the roster, but also you know putting it on the fans for tweet to, for tweeting at Dame about it. Yeah, so let's take this piece by piece. We've kind of already touched on the coaching stuff. You and I are both on the same page. Dame likely very much unaware of the past histories yeah. of both Kidd and Billups. I have heard, and I think you have heard the same note, that there has been some conflicting reports as far as how invested Damian Lillard was in this entire process. I um, did hear that he was on the Zoom for the coaching interview. Yes, and he was he was on the Zoom, but does that mean he's sitting there taking notes, you know, challenging questions, or is he just interested in who his potential head coach can be? You know, and I think that's something that those those things can vary as far as um, ver- what very interested means. Is Dame saying ultimately yes or no? I don't think that that's the case. I, th- I think he has a serious amount of input, but this is still Jody, Chris McGowan, and Neil O'Shea, and Burt Cole. Th- those are the guys who are ultimately going to sign off on this, even if, if Neil is the one calling the shots, that, that still has to be signed off on. Um, Dame has asked for personnel decisions that have not happened in the past. He has suggested names that have not happened in the past. This is very much the same situation. I bet, I bet you Damian Lillard was very invested in personnel decisions in the past in the same level that we're talking about personally invested in, in this coaching hire. Right, and he has said before that when it comes to his investment in personnel decisions, he doesn't go to the front office and say, trade this guy for this guy or or do any of that yeah. because he's friends with all of his teammates and he doesn't want to put himself in a position where he has to like ask them to trade away somebody on the team. Because he genuinely likes everybody. Right. But he also has said that like they ask him to name some players that he likes that are free agents or guys they could trade yes. for, and he gives his input. That's kind of about the normal level of uh, you know, input that a star could have for and that's why the you know, going back to like the coaching search stuff. 
that's why I was kind of blown away that he put on the record that he wanted Jason Kidd because I have never seen, I've never seen, I've never seen LeBron come out and say, this is the coach I want my team to hire. I've never seen Kevin Durant do that. I've never seen Kawhi Leonard do that. I've never seen like Kyrie Irving, like any of these guys who have been the, you know, the the faces of the so-called player empowerment era, none of them have gone on the record with a reporter and said, this is the coach that I want my team to hire. And then so Dane can't really. <laughs> and so Dane, well, right. Yeah. Then the kid, the kid thing blew up in his face. And that's why the, you know, in this Chris Haynes report uh, that the coaching search was conducted by Neil Olshay. None of the candidates were suggestions from Lillard. Uh, Lillard played no part in consummating like Dame is, is on record as getting involved in the coaching search and trying to get involved in it. So him, now try I me mean, as much as yes, it was Neil Olshay's hire, and Neil Olshay was always going to hire Chauncey Billups. Putting it out there that you know Dame had absolutely no part in the coaching search at all, I think, is a little bit disingenuous. Also, yeah, there's like I said, I think Dame and his camp have had some missteps uh, in this process, and I think him throwing out Kid was my impression has been the whole time was. Someone he knew, someone he's familiar with, somebody he could flex his muscle and without the benefit of knowing about his past, right? it would not be detrimental. It, like if they went another way, it would be just fine. But it was, it was an easy way for him to, because he's never flexed his muscle like that publicly in any way. The closest no. he had come was a month before when he had leaked something through Haynes about potentially being unhappy about some things. That was the most we had ever heard. So I thought, I thought that was his first time of like really just flexing his muscle. And that's what I, I, I interpreted that as, but I think him and his camp, they had a misstep. They should have vetted Jason kid. Yes. His, which is not obscure. This stuff is very easy to Google. This that stuff has one been brought especially. up a lot. Jason yes. kid is like, that's, I mean, the Chauncey one, like anybody could be forgiven for not knowing yeah. about that. The Jason Kidd one, it's pretty hard not to know about if you follow the NBA at all. And that's why I think he, he may have gotten some bad advice. Um, but let's let's get beyond that, which I think none of this is obviously good. But the realization that, did the clock just start on Damian Lillard's time in Portland? I think the clock started on Damian Lillard's time in Portland after game five of the Denver series. When they, you know, he had one of the greatest playoff performances of all time, and they still lost to a team that was starting like Austin Rivers and Facundo Campazzo. Yeah. I think, like, that was, I think, the final straw for when Dame looked around it. It was like, literally, there's not anything more I could have done, and we still can't beat a team that has like three of their four best players injured in the first round. And I think Dame was looking at the one guy that has made it very much a priority to make sure nobody ever blames for anything and saying, Hey, uh, maybe this is not the guy that should be building the team. And then as the coaching search went on, and I mean, there were certain scenarios that those who know, know where maybe Neil wouldn't have been in the picture anymore. None of those ever ended up coming together. And now Dame is looking around like, Hey, you know, if this is just what it's going to be, you know, Neil got his guy. He's not going to lose any of his power anytime soon. What am I still doing here? And that's an unfortunate position to be in with a guy who was given now nine years. Um, and is nine years be... and basically built his whole brand around, I'm the guy that's going to stay in one place my whole career and not go and run and join a super team. and Not run like, from the grind. Make fun of Paul George on Instagram for uh-huh. running from the grind. Like, uh, that's 
that's you know, and that and that's not something Dame necessarily needs to be held to as an entire career. I just think it's pretty funny that you know he has basically built his entire brand on that. Yeah, and now because he's looking around and seeing that you know the GM that has been in charge his entire career is clearly not able to build a contender he's looking around and he's like you know what if i'm gonna be this loyal you guys gotta give me something back you gotta work for work with me here a little bit yeah which is entirely fair a hundred percent i wouldn't i wouldn't blame dame at all if he if he asked for a trade tomorrow here's the thing you look around at all the other small market teams and everybody talks about how difficult it is to build in a small market and it is and i'm not trying to say that building a team is an easy thing it is are you are you saying dan are you saying that free agents don't want to come to Portland really? because that's something that Neil O'Shea really, really, really likes to point out. He that that's his number one thing that he loves to point to whenever anybody criticizes any of his roster moves yeah. of any kind, even if it's not a free agent signing, he'll just be like, "Look, uh, free agents just don't want to come to Portland," which I like, think we all accept as as a known reality. Sure, but he loves that. He loves to point that out. Yeah. He loves. He really loves to use that as a shield. I and that's the thing. We Again, seen, there's always a, there's a, there's always a shield that he can use for something. Yes, and then we have seen in multiple small markets where multiple stars have been traded. Oklahoma City has traded for numerous stars in the in the past years. Paul George re-signed in Oklahoma City after being traded there when everybody thought it was just a one-year rental and he was going to go to the Lakers. They have they have managed to do it everywhere except for Portland. And I think that's that's the problem. You look at I've well Utah's a small market. Da, 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 that they have multiple all stars and they've traded for multiple and signed multiple free agents who have turned into very very good players. They have traded for very capable players. You look at Phoenix; they made a move. Chris Paul to wanted get, to go there specifically. Yes, because of how well they have done with things. And Phoenix isn't a small market by market size, but they're not like they're. It's not. It's, it's not. It's like it's a not sixth LA. or seventh. Yeah, it's right, actually, but it's not. Yeah, but it's not L.A., New York, Miami. No, the State. the TV household markets are not the same. The population center is huge, right? But the TV market share is not the same. But again, you look at markets around the league that are small, and. They've been successful in, in bringing players here, and Neil O'Shea has not delivered a single player of consequence that that matters outside of LaMarcus Aldridge, and he did not deliver him. He was here. That's that's it. Like I like Norm. He's a good player. They, they've drafted relatively well. They've they've signed some good guys, but those 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 are the moves that you make after your foundation is set. And I think that's something that when you look at every star currently in the NBA, if you look at every top 10 guy, they have all played with all-stars. They have played with multiple tiers of all-stars. Jimmy Butler has been on three different teams where he's played with multiple all-stars. Like that's, that's, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's hard to fathom that they have failed to build a team this badly. And it's, by the skin of their teeth with Damian Lillard and with some good moves on the edges that they are right here. They are a good team. They are not a great team, and that has been the calling card for this team throughout their tenure at post-LaMarcus Aldridge. And I think the you know they, they make the conference finals in 2019. Mm-hmm. And after that happened, Neil signs his extension, Terry signs his extension, Dame signs the Supermax. Yep. And that's really like when Dame, you know, he said, I remember he sat there at exit interviews and he was talking about how this run just proves that if you just keep stick with it and stick with it, maybe some breaks will go your way and you can make a run. I think now, two years later, the realization he's realizing that that 
run, even, you know, without Nurk. Like, they, that was the breaks that they were going to get. And with this group and this core, like, it's just not going to happen for them. And, it, and I don't think anything is going to happen unless they make a major move, like, you know, like a, a trade CJ and Nurk level, you know, shakeup. And I don't think Neil's going to do that because Neil drafted CJ and he's, he's the guy that Neil can take credit for. So I don't think Neil really wants to trade CJ unless his hand is forced. So speaking of force and hands, I think this is the, the easy transition is when we're talking about personnel. Okay. You've got Chauncey. He's your head coach now. We don't know what he's going to be uh, as far as a head coach. We don't know what he's going to do as far as a scheme. Do you think swapping out Chauncey for Terry Stotts changes the calculus for this team enough to matter? I don't know enough about what his coaching philosophy is or any of that. I know that Neil, I mean, again, going back to when I was on the Bulls beat, that organ, that front office and that organization was so, you know, they had such a personal distaste for Tom Thibodeau that they thought that firing him and bringing in Fred Hoiberg and keeping the roster the exact same was going to have like a Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr level transformative mm-hmm. effect. And it did not. I don't think that, let's say they keep most of this roster the same. I don't think that bringing in Chauncey Billups to replace Terry Stotts is going to make those Ennis Cantor, Carmelo Anthony minutes, good defensive units. I don't think it's going to make, uh, I don't think it's going to, it's going to, it's going to help their defense overall. I mean, I don't think, I don't think just doing that. I think just running back the same personnel is going to just, you know, say, Oh, well now, now suddenly this team is a title contender when they were a, you know, a, a eight seed or like a borderline play in team with Terry Stotts. And I think that's that's a bigger problem than swapping out coaches. And I I don't want it to be this way, but I almost hope it is in the sense. And this is this this is going to fire up plenty of people. I just don't care. Oh, but, you're gonna get you're gonna the teens are gonna be all over you. Yeah, I know. And it I, I I hope it falls on its face early, so that we don't delay. Because I think there is a good chance that Olshay sticks by his guns now, and the the core of this team ends up coming back. Because he was so adamant in that press conference about how it wasn't the roster, it's not the roster, and this is him getting a chance, essentially a free pass to prove that it wasn't the roster. And I just, there's not a world that exists where I I think coaching is going to change what this team is. Maybe in the sense of it was time for a fresh voice. Yeah, in in that regard, and like tweaking around the edges. That I understand because. Every bit of it. I said from the whole time about about the Stotts thing, I understand why they decided to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. He was, until Rick Carlisle stepped down, he was the fourth longest tenured coach in the league. And the other three who were longer tenured than him were Pop, Spo, and Carlisle. And they had yeah. all had won championships and Terry had made one conference finals in nine years. I understood the decision for that. I just don't think that if you just change out the coach and keep this exact same roster the way it is, especially now that it's pretty obvious that Dame realizes that this roster isn't what it needs to be in order for them to contend. I, I just, I don't, I don't think that's going to work out the way that Neil wants it to, but I mean, if, as long as he gets to keep his job, I think that's kind of the, the priority. Well, we're talking about roster construction and that means it's tampering season. Oh, hell Yeah. <laughs> Tampering season is the best season. When's it ever not tampering season, though? It, it's tampering season all around, but very rarely do you get 
12 of the best players, I should say, excuse me, 11 of the best players in Kevin Love uh, on uh, one team. <laughs> one team <laughs> I knew that was going to be where you would go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, what, you know what though? You know what though? Maybe he's a buy. Maybe the Cavs buy him out. And, listen, and, and it, then listen, the homecoming. Who's to say? I am. I am. I am a hundred percent on record. If if your buyout candidate, if if Kevin Love gets bought out, and I I know those discussions have taken place. If he gets bought out, I would. He clearly doesn't want to be in Cleveland anymore. Yeah, I would unequip. <laughs> if he comes here and takes the mellow minutes, hundred percent. Because you know he's gonna just. You know he's gonna shoot threes. He's gonna rebound. He's gonna pass the ball. Like it just. You know what you're gonna get from him. That's fine. I, I, if he wants to be the vet minimum guy and come back and chill in Lake Oswego, I no problem. He can throw on his his jorts and have his puppies, and I will I will love all of the Kevin Love IG content. I will be all about that life. But, but, so are you saying you don't want Carmelo Anthony back, Dan? Listen, if, if there was one reason I wanted Mike D'Antoni, it was the guarantee that Melo was not going to be back. I think it's written in the stars that Melo is going to go back to New York and finish out his career there. Yeah. I, now I, that they're like, now that like that team, because I think he didn't want to go back last summer or last offseason. It wasn't the summer. It was like November, but like last, last offseason yeah. because it looked like the Knicks were going to be rebuilding. Now they're a playoff team. He might be down. It, it would be a night. Listen, I would enjoy Carmelo Anthony significantly more not on the team that I'm covering. That's, I will I will say that uh, with with just a big smile on my face. But it's not just Kevin Love that's on this Olympic team. Uh, Draymond Green, uh, big time fan of Damian Lillard. Um, that's a mutual admiration society thing. Yes, uh, I think Dame has been pretty openly trying to get Draymond to Portland for a while, and so have uh, I would say Dame's representation. Um, yeah, it's been pretty pretty open about that. I think that's something Draymond would actually be okay with. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think he kind of understands that. You know, this is probably the best year Steph is going to have at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. This past year, Clay is coming back from two consecutive season ending leg injuries. injuries. Like, yeah. I think that because Clay is a standstill shooter and he doesn't really have the you know, he isn't a good guy. He's like a Zach Levine who's like relies on his athleticism or a yeah. Derrick Rose when he had his ACL. Then he'll probably be fine, but I think Draymond might be at the point where he's okay with the idea of not playing his entire career in Golden State. Yeah, which, hey, under the right... He already got the bag. Yeah, exactly. He got the bag, he got the rings. Now it's about, you know, going where he wants to go and play he wants to play with. I am on record as I would be okay with Draymond under the right circumstances. I I think you need to thread a, a pretty tight needle to make that happen because I am genuinely terrified that his athleticism is going to fall off a cliff like, almost immediately you know what though okay i i i hear you physically i hear you mentally he's one of the smartest guys in the world. i think i think he is so smart that he's yeah. gonna be able to figure out like this year you know even this year in golden state like he he's basically a non-factor as a scorer but they mm. the warriors were still so much better when he was on the floor because he was a distributor and he's he a still, and he can set screens and yeah. all this other stuff and i think after the chris haynes story today you want to do whatever you can to make dame happy so that he doesn't end up asking out and one thing that i know will make dame happy is getting dream on green i don't know how you would do that i haven't really gone through all the permutations of it in the trade machine to see what it might look like or how that might work but you can combine some things like you could go covington Derek jones jr in a pick like you like though that that works i believe financially yeah um, like there's CJ there's things you can do i don't know i don't i don't know about golden it's... state's like openness to doing that but uh i think at this point in time if he asked 
I think it would probably be something that mm-hmm. they likely do because their tax bill is such a burden that sure. if they were able to get relatively decent value on expirings, they'd have and to then a few smaller it. pieces that then you can trade for other stuff yeah. and you know break break some of that up. Yeah, and that's no. that's where like a twelve million dollar or a fourteen million dollar you know twelve to fourteen you know the Covington deal, Derek Jones yeah. your ops in that's another ten million. Yeah. You sweeten it with a, a yeah. pick or a young yeah. player. All of a sudden that starts to make sense for a team that's going to pay like two hundred million dollars uh, for this roster next yeah, year. Yeah, but if you want to salvage if you want to salvage things with Dame, which clearly should be priority number one for the organization right that now, is that's very one thing. That's there. one thing you can do. And that's here's the other thing. Does adding talent like a Ben Simmons, does that make sense for them? It, like, is it, is it, would it be better for them to, I, I don't know the answer to this. Is it better for them to go for Draymond, a guy that Dame is very tight with? Is it better for them to go with probably a guy who's a little bit more talented in Ben Simmons? I, I don't know which, which side of that fence I fall on, but I think those are the kind of things you have to consider, right? On a pure on court, basketball standpoint the idea of dame and simmons together is incredible and i think that would do that would that would be something you would pursue the thing that i would have a question about with that the work ethic and the personality that's yes that stuff and i think dame has already had this with nurkic and to a lesser extent mo harkless who he's had to keep you know motivated at different points and I think at this, and I think at, at earlier points in Dame's career, I think he's been, you know, more willing Incredibly to embrace patient. that stuff and be yeah. patient with that stuff. It's pretty clear right now that he's kind of over it as far as having to babysit guys and having to make sure that guys work on their game. And as talented as Ben Simmons is, Ben Simmons would be, if they traded for Ben Simmons, he would be the most talented player that Dame has ever played with. Yeah. But the personality side of it and the work ethic side of it. I don't know if that's something, I don't know if at this point in his career, as my, as talented as Dame is, I don't think, or as talented as, as Simmons is, I don't think Dame really wants another project like that. Yeah. No. It, it and I sense. think that somebody like somebody like Draymond who a, he has a personal relationship with and B you don't have to worry about Draymond's work ethic. You don't have to worry about whether he's not during the playoffs, know, at least. Well, during, right. But like, seasons you, well, but how much of that? How much of that was because the teams were not very they good. Were, they were they were nailing it in, yeah, or because it, like it the, that team that team was tanking. I think I think yeah. I think they probably told Draymond to take some of those games off because they were trying to get a better pick. Like I don't think you can fun. really you can really you you can't really you know talk about that as like an indictment. But like I think that that I I would lean towards as much as like the on you know the on paper basketball fit definitely leans towards Simmons. But the dynamics lead but towards Draymond. Your number one priority as an organization should be keeping Dame happy. And I think that, you know, within reason, drawing the line at hiring Jason Kidd as your head coach. Yeah. But there there are limits. But below, but below, below that, I would go with, I would, if you could find a way to get Draymond, especially because it wouldn't, it wouldn't take CJ to get Draymond. You, like I said, you could do a combination. Honestly, if you're getting Draymond, you'd have to move Covington anyways. Because right. You and you, right. You could, you, you know, you, and then you would still have the CJ card to play for either, to, either to keep those two together. And, you know, Neil could talk himself into it being Steph and clay with Draymond, yeah. even though that's not what it would be, but Neil could talk himself into that. Or, you know, let's say Bradley Beal comes available and wants to be traded. And, you know, you have a chance to use CJ as like a Bradley Beal piece. Then you still have that card to play and you can do that. And then you're really talking because Bradley Beal 
is another guy going back to your original point is on the team USA. And this is actually pretty interesting that I've I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of weeks since the team USA roster has started to come. I, I mean, yeah, there was, there was the Brian Windhorst story last week about how, uh, Dame was like one of the chief recruiters and like trying to get other guys to sign on. And like, like Jason, like him and Draymond were like talking to Jason Tatum and Beal and Jeremy Grant, that, that, Jeremy that, Grant. That, yeah. A good who, name to watch. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah, he wouldn't be a bad pickup either. I, I don't think Detroit is really looking to trade him, but like, also I, they're also resetting with Cade. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, my, my thought about this, this is going to be an interesting Olympics we know that the Olympics and Team USA stuff has been a huge political nightmare. Know, well, it's it's been a huge like you know ground for these players, you know, deciding whether they were going to play and teaming up together. Hint, hint, the, wink, wink to anybody who's not picking up on what we're. You saying. go, you go back to the 2006 FIBA World Cup. That was in That's Japan. What set the table. That the was Brazil. when that was when LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh all like started talking and decided, Hey, we should maybe try to, you know, align our contract extension so that we can all be free agents the same year and try to play together. A story that I wrote in 2000 and, or I I wrote the story. I wrote the story last year during the pandemic Mm -hmm. about the 2010 U S national team that won the world cup in Turkey. And the, the lasting legacy of that team was that Kevin Durant was on that team. Steph was on that team as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Iguodala was on that team when he was still in Philly. The three of those guys all became friends. And then when Iguodala was a free agent, he signed with Golden State to play with Steph. And then two years later or three years later or whatever, those two guys were, you know, ha- were instrumental in recruiting Durant. So the tampering stuff ha- and like the, the guys like, you know, talking about teaming up and going different places. KD, that stuff. Kyrie, James Harden. Yeah, well, the, 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 the together, other one guess is, what? these two guys have never actually played together, but for the longest time, Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler were, like, intent on teaming up together. Then those two got tight at the 2016 Olympics in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, KD and Kyrie, like, those are two other guys, that, you know, from the 2016 Olympics. That was the first time those guys, like, played together and became friends, and then you obviously saw they, they went to Brooklyn together. So... This could either and this this Olympics is going to be so interesting because because, because of the agency. because of the way that like the like COVID has messed up the whole like yeah. calendar and the schedule. The Olympics are happening in late July or They're, mid like I mean, mid. We're, we're literally guys are going to start. I mean, once the finals wrap up, guys are gone. Like it's yeah. They're they're heading in because it's a quasi quarantine in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. It's not a full, but right. The guys got to get in and, but, and get settled in, and so you're going to get this before free agency. Right. Normally, free agency happen. Free agency starts on July 1st, mm-hmm. and then by the time the Olympics happen in mid to late July to early August, all the big free agency stuff is already done. All the big trades are already done. But you could have stuff and being done ahead now. Everybody's kind of you know everybody's kind of on vacation, and ev- and all the pieces have kind of settled with the off season. This time, the Olympics, where these guys like with Dame and Draymond and Bradley Beal and whoever else, or Zach, Zach Levine, who, like whoever, they're all on this team together. And then when they get back or while they're over there, free agency is happening. And then, you know, you know guys are going to try to, you know, move stuff around and get different places mm-hmm. and things go that way. So that could either work for the Blazers if Dame really is or, committed to, you know, hey, I'm going to try to get Draymond to come here. I'm going to try to get Bradley Beal to come here. 
Or, you know, you could see, you know, Draymond say, hey, you know, you should come to the Warriors or you could see you, the uh, darkest timeline is out there. <laughs> like it could really go either way, depending on the conversations that are had, the different trades that are available, how Dame is feeling. Because, yeah. I mean, I think that there is a chance that Dame could just cool off after a few days. I think that I think right going to after, Tokyo could be good for him. I think that after the way the season ended and the way the Denver series ended. It was never going to be good. He was pretty upset. Yeah. And then I think the way that the last week has played out with all of the backlash to the Chauncey Billups hire and a few fans going at him on Twitter and him having to, you know, try deciding to go get defensive on, on Twitter about his own role in it. I think that's like right now that's flaring up and that's making him look at this. Like, do I really want to be here? I think everybody, I, and just, just to be clear, even if Dame were to ask for a trade, like he could go into Neil Olshay's office tomorrow and say, trade me. Dame's not getting traded this offseason. No. He's because got four years left. Four years left on his deal. None of the good teams can really offer anything close to Like, do you think like let, Miami's going to, what, like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson? Let's hit this real quick like, because okay. I, the, the packages that you're, that you're likely available. Yeah, you ran some of these by me before we started recording, so I'll just let you go on this. Yeah, so you're, you're talking about what would be available, and I, and I think the, the most prominent one, I'll start with probably the most prominent and work our way down. Mm-hmm. New Orleans has the most capital that makes sense. Brandon Ingram, young, 6'9 wing, score, 23 years old. Lonzo Ball, you get those two together, that makes up the salary. You maybe put something else in there. Then they also have a pile of good draft picks. And because of how many picks they have, they can legitimately, I think, give up to eight without breaking the Stepien rule. So if you've got Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, the Keel Alexander-Walker, five first-round picks, that's that's a pretty decent haul. That, that's I, I, I would go a little bit differently. I think Boston is a team you'd have to look at pairing Dame with Tatum. If Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, three first-round picks, that's probably in line. You're getting a, a 23-year-old all-star who's... A, on a pretty good contract. On a pretty, yeah, he's not on a, a, a full max. Um, Philadelphia, Simmons, Tybal, Maxi, three or four firsts. I think, obviously, Simmons' value is tanked a little bit, so maybe you can extort a few more picks in that regard. Um Golden State, if they wanted to, Wiseman, Wiggins, four firsts. I don't but like that at all. I don't either, but I'm just looking at like as who's who's available, who who has capital that makes sense. And I think Minnesota is probably the other one you could look at. You could go with uh, Anthony Edwards, D'Angelo Russell for the salary plus something else, and probably four first round picks. Miami but, would need to put Bam in there. Yeah, and that, that's why I think that's a non-starter for them because I think Bam's one of their core guys. But if they could flip Bam into Dame and Jimmy right now and then basically give a two, maybe three-year window and then hard reset, I think you'd have to do it. But let's say that let's say it's Bam, Harrow, and two firsts. I mean, I, I think, think Bam is the best piece I think out of any of the people that you between mentioned. Bam and Jalen, depending on what you like yeah. more. Yeah, um, but I think those are your your probable best options. Like Anthony Edwards, uh, D'Angelo Russell, and picks is like that's your no doubt. You're 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 trading everybody. It's a full hard reset rebuild. So I think you've got some levels to this. I think there's a couple twenty three year old guys that you can target in Jalen and Bam, but that's what you're looking at. I, I there are there may be other offers out there, but 
just looking around the league, I think that's probably about the line of what you're looking at. Would you, would you disagree? The more relevant question when we're talking about the possibility of this happening is where were they let game? Where, where would Dame want to go? Well, no, 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 no. I'm not. He had, he has four years left on his deal. That's how he hasn't really have any real, yeah. you know, ability to dictate. That. Yeah. Do you see any world in which Neil actually would do that? Only if Dame demanded it publicly. Because even if, if he, he did, even if he if demanded he demand- it publicly, then Neil could justify it. He could sell it. That's the only way he could sell it. He it, it couldn't be behind the scenes because if you trade Damian Lillard without without him authorizing it publicly, you're dead. You're a dead man walking. I think that even if Dame publicly demanded one a trade, I think Neil would hold it out as long as possible. He, he probably would, but it's the only just way for he could just trade to it. just for just to prove a point, just to show yeah. who's in charge. <laughs> I mean that it, that tracks. There's there's no doubt about it. But I just. When we're talking about this stuff, like execs and, and, and agents and players, they're talking. They're, yeah. For the first time in, in, that I have ever heard that people genuinely think that there's actual – it's a small chance, but there is a chance that he could. But three months ago, I would have told you there was a 0% chance that Damian Lillard ops, ever asks out in his prime. Now, maybe 36, 37 years old, he wants to go home and play in Golden State or go play in Utah or go play in L.A. or New York or something. Like, to go to go get his Dwayne Wade on, yeah, I think that's different. But we're talking about his prime years. I, I would have never thought that. Now I think there's a, an actual chance of it happening, which is a little bit terrifying. It's entirely the organization's own doing, though. It's entirely yeah. Neil Olshay's doing. If that happens, it very easily could have been avoided. Yeah, and that's I think that's where the burning frustration comes from. And I think that's where instead of directing a lot of anger, vitriol, hate, blame at Damian Lillard, uh, it, it needs to go elsewhere. So um, we're, we're running up against an hour here now, and I want to get you out of here before it gets too damn late. So, Sean, go ahead and plug every, anything you're working on, what you what you got going. Uh, give it all out here. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hiken, uh, H-I-G-H-K-I-N. That's just my that's my Twitter handle. Writing for Bleacher Report, uh, I will be I will be at Neil's press conference on Tuesday, so I could imagine I will have something written from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you subscribe to the Bulls vs Blazers podcast with me and friend of the program Eric Gunderson. Shout out Gundy. Yep, and that's about it. All right. Well, thank you, man. Uh, as always, folks, you can find me on social media at Danny Marang at D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-R-A-N-G. Uh, we will have more. Uh, I will get back to the mailbag. Thank you, everybody who got questions in. I will get to them, and I'll kind of bundle the, the coaching stuff up into this. If we didn't answer it, I'll answer it there. Uh, as always, like, rate, review, subscribe uh, across everything, please. It does help grow everything. And again, uh, thank you all so much. We'll catch up next time. Take care. Bye. Like I'm on my tiptoes, baby. You think a little too small. I got big goals, baby.